Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Well, hello. Here we are again. Online church. But... We want you to know that we are missing you today. We're missing all your beautiful faces, but we are thinking of you, praying for you and believing and trusting that we will be back together very, very soon, that this will be a very short time when we are scattered like this. But we know what to do in these instances and we thank you so much for being engaged today, for being with us online, uh, with church. I'm going to pray with us before we open the Word of God. Father, we thank you for this day and that this is the day that you have made. Lord, we thank you that you have already seen ahead of time. You knew that this moment in time would come. And Lord, that you've got a plan and a purpose for today. And so, Father, we rest in the knowledge of who you are, of your perfect plan, of your sovereign will. And Lord, today as we open your word, I pray that, Father, we would have ears to hear and eyes to see that your Holy Spirit would come and would illuminate this word, your living word today, that we would be able to apply it to our lives and it would transform us in a moment. We just thank you so much today for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and we thank you for your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as Pastor Raf said, this is our third week of uh, our consecration season. But as you know, we have been mentioning many times over that consecration is a lifestyle. And so this is an opportunity for us at the start of the year to really be intentional as a whole church, unified together as we consecrate ourselves before the Lord, as we pray and as we fast. But this is actually something that our desire and our prayer is that it becomes a part of your lifestyle, that it becomes a part of your walk with God, this this rhythm and this flow of constant consecration before the Lord. I wonder how you've been going with the prayer and fasting. Typically during a time of a season like this, um, we could have all sorts of expectations, we could have all sorts of hopes and prayers, and that is something that is good, and what the Lord uh, actually asks of us is that we come with an expectation to Him, that He will not disappoint us. We, We pray that we would have a keener sensitivity to the things of God and the heart of God, and the presence of God would feel more tangible. There is that prayer for me that my hearing and my prophetic seeing of the things of God will become sharper and clearer. And we know that as we put things aside, as we intentionally choose to fix our eyes upon God and we we intentionally make room more than usual for the presence of God within our lives, that these things do tend to happen. We sense a closeness to God that is more tangible. And in this time, there can be teaching and correction and rebuking and realigning, but there's transformation in amongst all of this. The Word of God says in Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you, he is able to complete it, church. 
This is the good news. This is the anchor. This is the reason why we pursue the presence of God within our lives. I honestly believe that what Christ has begun in me that he will finish it. It doesn't have to be by my own effort. It doesn't have to be in my striving that I can come before the Lord and he asked me to consecrate myself and then he does the good work that needs to be done. I've been redeemed, I have been rescued, I've been justified and I am being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. This is the good work of transformation. You know, when I think about my own walk with God over many years now, God's patience and his grace and his mercy towards me for transformation is evident. He is a very kind God. He is a very good God and he is so very loving in the good work that he continues to do in me. I think about those times when I've been stubborn or when I've resisted or I've hesitated in God and he is always there patiently waiting, patiently ready to do what needs to do, be done in my life. You know, those key moments and crossroads in my life, I look back and I can see an incredible transformation that has taken place. And it has been a direct result of those times when I have intentionally partnered with the Holy Spirit and set myself aside for his holy purposes, for his work within my life. I think of my own faith journey and the good work of Jesus in me from that time when I was a little girl in Sunday school and I raised my hand wanting to accept Jesus into my life, wanting to ask that he would be the Lord of my life and he would do his will within me to this moment where I stand before you today. It's been a journey with Jesus. He has sustained me and strengthened me, protected me, graced me, helped me, healed me, and he continues to do so today. All towards this goal for us, for you and I, for me to becoming more like Jesus. And in an ideal world, that would be sweet. It sounds all lovely, doesn't it? The right environment, the ideal set of circumstances that I would always have a willing and open heart to the work of God doing the hard work in me. But there is a reality of the world that we live in. We know that the Bible warns us to be in the world, but not of the world. And the Bible also tells us of the war that is going on all around us. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And because of these spiritual forces of evil at work, it is a very real reality for us that like Paul, we can find ourselves saying, for I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever said to yourself, I wanna do what's right, God. I wanna live according to your word, according to your principles, according to the Holy Spirit at work in me, but I try and I can't do it. I fail. That's me sometimes when I make all my plans to get up early, to go for a run, to do my devotions before the kids get up and it fails the next day. And I think, what is the point? 
But that's the reality that we sometimes find ourselves in these cycles. And I believe that the Bible has some answers for us to help us navigate that there is this tension. There is this wrestle for us. You're not alone when it comes to this tension that we face. And in the book of Romans, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, funnily enough, about the foundational matters for living as the people of God in this world what it looks like for us to live as followers of Jesus. And he describes this living with a very strong picture of sacrifice and consecration. Paul describes what it takes for us to navigate this tension and to navigate this wrestle and to live in a way that is pleasing to God in a world that we are tempted to conform to. So I'm wondering if you could turn to your Bibles And open up the book of Romans. And I just want to read to us a few verses here in chapter 12. Some of you may be familiar with this. Some of you may, it may be one of your favorite scriptures in the Bible. But it says here in Romans 12, chapter 1, verse 1, sorry. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, when it comes to living our lives in a consecrated way, and not just for a season, but our lifestyle of consecration, we must first understand, we must first be able to comprehend what our consecration is grounded in. And I believe that what Paul is saying here is that consecration begins with God's mercy. Paul reminds us with the first sentence of this chapter that we are full recipients of God's rich mercy, that this is the foundation and grounding of our consecration, that it is only because of God's love, because of his grace, because of his mercies that we can live in a consecrated way. This reminds me that we don't have to rely on our own capacity, on whether I fail or succeed or any of my good standing because of God's mercies. You and I are able to set ourselves apart for his holy purposes. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then with confidence, his mercy provides confidence for us to draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 1 Peter 1.3 says, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What we deserve is judgment and condemnation. But what we receive instead is an invitation to know God and to know his will and for the will and purposes, the reason that he created you and I to come to pass. Consecration is possible because of this merciful invitation. And consecration reminds us that we can, in fact, come into the holy of holies with God. We can be in his presence. We can come to God and be made holy because of Jesus. 
I want us to really get this today. I wanna be really clear about God's mercy towards us because I believe it's such an important uh, distinction for us to make. That when we come to, to this time of consecration, when we lay aside those things that perhaps are distracting us, that we don't have to feel like we have to have it all together to be in that space. That we understand that without the mercy of God, that you and I wouldn't even be standing here today. You know, I like to look at it like this. That justice is getting what we deserve, which is death, but Jesus has paid that price for us. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. We get eternal life. We get abundance. We get the presence of God. We get the spirit of God because of what Jesus has done for us. But mercy is not getting what we do deserve. The compassion of God, the, the heart and the kindness and the goodness of God, he gives us this opportunity all because of Jesus. So as you continue in your lifestyle of consecration, I want you to always remember as the foundation to that, that because of Christ's sacrifice for us, we receive his mercy and it is made possible for us to be able to lay aside those things and become like Jesus. This is the backdrop. This is the foundation. This is the reason that we present our lives to God. This invitation of God, this mercy of God to be transformed in this lifestyle of consecration. And this invitation that means we can see God and know God and experience all that he have, has purposed and planned for us. You think about the most influential person that you know that they have something that can change your life, that you learn from them, that there's something that they can help you with, make you more like yourself and achieve what you've been created for. Or the most powerful leader that you know. Think about the most uh, leader that you can think of that has the most authority, the most power, the highest IQ. And then imagine yourself meeting them. That face to face, in person, how you would feel to meet that kind of a person, that kind of a leader, you'd feel nervous. You'd feel excitement, you'd feel some hesitation, you may even feel some intimidation. What will I say? What will they say? Well, our God is more powerful, more influential, more intelligent, has more authority and more knowledge than any man or woman on the face of this earth. And he is the creator of the universe. You can't get bigger than that. But here I am and here is the invitation because of the mercy of God that you and I can approach the throne of God. This invitation of God because of his mercy it means that we can know the creator of the universe. We can know his will and his purposes. And in return, he doesn't demand that we get what we deserve, but instead he says that we, we can have him to be transformed by who he is. The invitation of consecration is transformation. You and I are invited into this gift to commune and to know a holy, powerful, mighty, gracious, kind God and to be transformed through sacrificial consecration. Paul very clearly and very simply states that this transformation comes through consecration. And so consecration looks like us presenting our lives. He says it here, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
You know, when we talk about sacrifice, it can be a bit of a dirty word in our culture today. We're consumed in our culture. It doesn't take much for us to pick up. That promotes being self-made, self-motivated, self-gratifying, self, self, self. It's all about me, myself, and I. But this wasn't the way that Jesus lived. This wasn't the model of a life that he showed us. He could have used his life to seek his own glory, to seek his own honor and power and the good life. But where would you and I be today if he had done that? He did not live to please himself. Jesus presented his body, his life, literally to God as a living sacrifice. He was the one who surrendered his life for the benefit of our salvation. He said, whatever you want, God, I will do. Even we see this picture of him in the garden of Gethsemane, where he is wrestling with this. He has this tension with this, where he says, not my will, but yours be done, God. He says, if you can remove this cup, do it. But ultimately, whatever you want, God, I will do. Can you imagine what would have happened if Jesus had not consecrated his life? And as followers of Jesus, the invitation is for us to do the same. It's a sacrifice that we would lay down our lives, that we would present our bodies as a living sacrifice with all of the desires, with all of the appetites and the necessities of our bodies, that we are called to live in a consecrated way. Our goal is not to simply please and indulge ourselves. I do believe that God blesses and gives um, an abundance for us to enjoy, but to surrender all that, To trust that to God is to live according to his purposes. You know, when Paul's talking about our bodies, he's referring to all those things that pertain to life and the flesh, our hands and our feet, our mouth, our eyes. And two of the things that I think really are challenging for us as Christians is the way that we use our tongue, our mouths, that we wouldn't use that just for our own selfish game and agenda. It isn't, it isn't a tool that we're being given so that we can fight for our own rights and our own ways and our own agenda, but to speak as God's mouthpiece, to advocate for others, that we would use our mouths, that we would praise God and declare his goodness and preach the good news of the gospel. And then our eyes, that we would give all that we see, all that we take in to focus on the things that are good and excellent and praiseworthy, that our eyes are are something that help us focus and that we would intentionally consecrate what we look at in order for the, the light of God to shine through us. Our flesh, it's at war with our spirit man. Our spirits have been redeemed by Jesus, but our bodies are yet to be redeemed at the day that we meet God face to face. Romans 7, 15, 19 says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. This is the war that is going on. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. So how do we do this? We practice sacrificial consecration, but we need a lifestyle of consecration because we are influenced by this world. 
You know, when I think about this word that Paul delivers here, and he uses this word about do not be conformed to the world. We can't ignore that this is a very real reality that we live in, that as there's this wrestle and this tension between our flesh and our spirit, that we are, in fact, in a world where there are all of these things going on around about us. And to be conformed to something or someone is to comply with to look like that or another person. But we as Christians, we're not supposed to look like the world. Our speech, our behaviours, our attitudes, our culture, it's supposed to look different. But unfortunately, we see more and more of these kinds of distinctions blurring from those who are followers of Jesus and those who live in the world. There's this me first culture. There's this thinking always about myself and how that affects me and what do I feel about that and what about what I want. And in our pursuit for holiness, we enter into this war. There is an inner man that is redeemed and it is being sanctified, but this creates a war with our outer man, as I said earlier, that is not yet redeemed. It is God's mercy and grace to us that he calls us into this lifestyle of sacrificial consecration. And I think about some of the ways that I feel challenged in this current day and age, in this current culture, when it comes to me being influenced by the world. And one of the prominent things that I see or hear constantly coming through is this sense of entitlement that is around me. I think it's a very prevalent thing that we as Christians need to be aware of, that we need to be reflective of how we are engaging with that. Because it's a disease that is turning our hearts away from each other and away from God. And sometimes as Christians, it can feel like a confusing message for us because we are called to sacrifice and we are called to surrender in humility and to trust God. But then we hear the world around us saying, but you should be looking out for yourself. You should be fighting for yourself. You should have your own wants and desires. You should have everything that you dream of. A self-entitled person believes that they inherently deserve special treatment and privileges. But as, as people of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, we trust that to our creator. We trust that he will take care of us. We trust that he will be the one to protect us. Another area that I see, and this comes through in a similar vein of this sense of entitlement, but this, this uh, effort for us to try and control our lives. And I see all around me that people are trying to make a, a life for themselves, a pathway for themselves that isn't surrendered to the will and the goodness of God. We all have an area of control, I think, that we can surrender to God. You know, for me, that in this consecration season, that, that God has really been challenging me about giving him control in the area of my peace. And I know that this, for me, is something that has always been a strength in my world, that my inner peace has always been something that I've been able to manage and able to maintain, that I'm a peacemaker, that I'm someone by nature that is able to manage this for myself. But more and more I am finding and encountering that there are things around about me and there are things that I are bumping into in life that is robbing me of my peace and becoming more and more difficult for me to do this within my own strength. And so I have to hand over the control of even that to my God and to rest in the fact that he is my peace, even if I don't feel it in my inner world. 
that he is the one that I can look to, that he is the source of that for me. You see, until you present yourself as a living sacrifice, you won't be able to stop yourself from being conformed to the patterns of this world. This is our protection. This is our guide. This is the way that the Lord continues to align our hearts and our minds to kingdom culture, to his word, to living in true freedom. We are all captive to whatever we pay affection to, to whatever we focus on. We may think that we are free because we've eliminated certain things from our lives, but whatever is holding our attention, whatever is actually holding our affection, this is the thing that is controlling us. And so we need to be aware that God is calling us to surrender that to him and to allow him and to trust him with the plans and purposes that he has for our lives. It's time for us to consecrate ourselves to be different to the worldly patterns. If we're ever going to consecrate ourselves from being conformed by the world, as Paul warns us about, then he says we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I believe consecration is this opportunity. It is this space, it is this way that we make room for us to renew and align our thinking. It is this opportunity for us to be honest before God without distraction, without things holding us back, without that uh, temptation to go and, and, and get our source of, of peace and our, and our purpose from somewhere else. That we would come before God and we would say, okay, God, whatever is not right, Create in me a clean and pure heart and renew a right spirit in me. Father, I'm availing myself to you to come and do what only you can do. You see, central to transformation in the Christian life is their mindset. As we are influenced to conform, our hearts can become hardened to kingdom ways. Being conformed can look like complying to those things that we hear around about us in the world and we start to look like someone of the world. But as I said earlier, that is not our calling. That is not our mandate. We are called to look like Christ. There are all sorts of worldly patterns and thinkings and behaviours that as we consecrate ourselves, God brings them to light. We may not have been aware of something that we have begun to adopt as a habit of thinking within our own life. But renewal is an essential and critical means for transformation for every believer. You know, it seems like such a simple thing, as Paul says it here in this text. He talks about renewing your mind as a way for us to, to be able to um, guard against the confirmation of the world. Renewing our mind gives us this deeper knowledge of God and his ways. And when we stand in the light of this knowledge, it transforms who we are. It frees us from deceit and power and ungodly fleshy passions. Ephesians 4, 17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Really strong words that are there in Ephesians. You know, it's talking about a futile mind and a darkened understanding and that there is ignorance when we do not practice in consecration the renewing of our minds. It hardens our hearts. 
This means that when our hearts are hardened, that our eyes are blind and we cannot see Christ or know him and his will. But the Holy Spirit's work in us for consecration is this renewal. He renews our minds. We need him to help us. As we read the word of God, as we worship him in our secret place, as we pour out our heart, as we offer up our lives as a sacrifice, as we we present to him the tensions and the wrestles that we all face, the Holy Spirit begins to help us. He helps us understand the word of God. He helps us to come. Have you ever read read a piece of, of scripture and said, I've never seen that before, but I've read that about 10 times. That's the Holy Spirit illuminating the text to be able to apply to our current situation. The Holy Spirit helps us to behold the glory of God. This is an inward and an outward work through consecration. That what transformation takes place begins to be seen on the outside of our living and this living sacrifice is evident in and through us. He breaks the hardened heart and he opens the eyes of the blind to see in humility and to receive the transformation. We are given the mind of Christ and our partnership with the Holy Spirit for transformation means that we become more like Jesus. You know, consecration is a pathway for us to know God and to know his will. I think it's so powerful and so incredible that as Paul talks about us not being conformed to this world, as he says that the way that you do that is by being renewed in your mind, that you will then, because of that, be able to test and discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect will would be. You see, being transformed requires this sacrificial consecration. And at the end result of that, we can more accurately hear from God. We more accurately discern the will of God. Those things that perhaps have felt foggy in our thinking or we haven't quite understood, that God begins to bring light to them and illuminate our thinking. And as I was preparing this word, I really felt the heart of God today for you and I to receive this kind of revelation today, because it's key to the transformation that you might be seeking within your life. I know that like me, that you may have questions. There may be right now currently things that you are seeking God for direction for, that the will of God for you is, is, is a little bit confusing or you can't seem to figure out what it is that you need to do next with your life. Or maybe you're wrestling with things within your flesh that during this consecration season that it's come to light that there are things and there are areas that the Holy Spirit has been uh, discerning for you that you need God's mercy to transform you. Well, I believe that in this text today that here is the answer that Paul writes that God has for us. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I wanna pray with you today. Father God, we thank you today for your word. 
We thank you, Lord, that it comes and it illuminates, it highlights. Lord, it comes and it reveals and it exposes. And Father, I thank you that in this season that you have been moving and you have been speaking and you have been imparting, that you've been doing your good work of transformation within each of us. But Father, I pray for anybody today who might still have a question or they are still seeking for, Father, your plan and purpose. They can't see the way forward. Or maybe there's a real wrestle that they are having at this moment, God, and they need to surrender that to you and trust, Father, that you are more than enough to heal and to make whole. God, I pray that in this moment, that as I pray for them, God, that they would be able to lay that at your feet that they would choose, Lord, to sacrifice themselves as a living sacrifice. And Father, that in turn, they would receive your mercy, they would receive your love, they would receive your Holy Spirit to help them, to empower them, to equip them, and to do your good work in them. Father God, my prayer is that for each of us, that you would continue to transform us that we would, Lord, adopt this lifestyle of consecration where, Father, we lay aside distractions. We lay aside those things that come to hold us back and to distract us from You. And God, we allow Your Holy Spirit to come and to reveal the truth, Your living Word at work within each of us. We thank You for Your Word today. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.